Oh. Oh, something went wrong. We had a network we, error. Yes. Sorry, ladies, we had a network error. Just wanting to say hi. I am. We are broadcasting. Um, sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. Uh, but, hey, you know, technology. That's what it is. We're back. So hopefully we, you can hear us and... Uh, Everything's doing good. Happy anniversary, Susie. Happy anniversary. What a wonderful milestone. Congratulations. Hope you're having a lovely weekend. And I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. So I can hear okay. you now, but I'm very soft. So let me make sure that my volume is up a little higher. There and there. Is that okay. better? Are we, are we better now? Okay, good. So. Good. So um, we're going to start, we're going to do uh, kind of highlights of the past several chapters. Mm -hmm. um, hoping that uh, you'll enjoy our little uh, discussions and please chime in if you have other thoughts as we're hitting uh, the highlights. Um, hey, Monica. Hey, Monica, so good to see you. We're starting with chapter four, where we find Pierre Breckman on the terrace with a vodka, looking at the Eiffel Tower, thinking about what has happened over the last few days. And he was very contemplative here. Um, and this is the chapter, if I recall. Hey, Karen, happy Friday. Mm -hmm. This is the chapter that um, I recall that gave me the inspiration to have a desire for us to have a a gray goose night or a vodka night oh, uh, that will it. be coming we we're gonna do, do that we're, we're gonna figure it out hey Tiara good to see you um so that just that's to come ladies just know we're gonna have some kind of vodka night or gray goose night we'll uh, we'll have a the drink of Breckman <laughs> And the, the goal is to do the podcast together with Pam and I sharing uh, some Grey Goose. But we'll see. We'll see if we can make that happen. <laughs> Kez says it sounds great. <laughs> Kez, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll prep everybody. We can all raise our glass together. It'll be great. We'll have a worldwide toast. Um, <laughs> so Pierre is pondering. He had a really rough couple days Silka wounded his pride and it wasn't the first time she had done that um, it really triggered his anger and if there was one thing he had learned anger could lead to rage and that rage would make you rash and foolish and he really didn't want to have that again and uh, you can remember how uh, upset he was and uh, you know rage can sometimes you just lose control when you get um into that point and his mind wanders over to the beautiful brazilian woman with the striking hazel eyes arguing the merits of monet and he actually was thinking about whether or not she could be corrupted like marcel and he decides then that he's going to set up a test to to see what she's really made of and uh, as he's kind of contemplating having sipping on his vodka it strays to the Eiffel Tower that he's gazing upon and 
really wishing that he'd have a companion that he could uh, take someone special to um, over to the Jules Verne, um, which is such a beautiful romantic place. And hard to get reservations for. Yes, as you can attest, Pam, because I know you tried. I tried, I tried. And I know, I know, you know, that having that kind of time to ponder as you're looking at something so beautiful can be, uh, you know, gives you time to reflect. And it seems like he's, you know, putting some uh, plans into place as he thinks about uh, the Brazilian woman. So Mm -hmm. this is when we first find that uh, he finds her interesting, attractive, you know, he's, she caught his eye, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, We go into chapter five, and you see Acacia working out at her dojo, and uh, her mother had started her in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and she's contemplating Marcel's journal. Hey, Danny, good to see you. Hi, Danny. And as she, as she's contemplating, as she's at her uh, practice, she thinks about Marcel's journal and she wants to make sure she can get to it. Um, she's determined to look for the journal. Um, and that's also chapter five is another wonderful kind of insight to the beautiful, uh, shops of Paris at the Avenue Georges Cinq, um, with all the designers such as Hermes and Bulgari and Givenchy. Uh, it's Givenchy, right? Givenchy. And Saint Laurent, Yves Saint Laurent, um, and lots of beautiful trees, um, which would be good for hiding in. And as she's going through, as they're considering um, things, she was really surprised that with being in such a public place that no one had seen what happened to Marcel. And I think this kind of sticks with her. Um, you know, she's kind of trying to figure out what exactly happened. How could it have happened in such a public space? Um, and she is prepared to go back to the desk, um, taking much pride in her work. Um, as she was sitting there getting ready for work, she was looking for a pen, and as she looking for it uh, beneath the desk, she actually feels something attached to the bottom of it. And this is where we get into the whole scene about uh, uh, the woman uh, who's being abrupt and rude and quite racist. Um, And she acknowledges you know, uh, out of the corner of her eyes, as this well-dressed elderly woman's coming to her, she also sees Breckman coming. And as she asks the woman how she can help, the woman is incredibly short and rude to her. And uh, Breckman picks up on this, and he, you know, he is kind of observing what's going on. And the woman says that she wants to speak with a French concierge only um, because she notes that Acacia is not French. And this is where Breckman kind of steps in. You know, he immediately asks 
where she is from. And uh, Madame says she's from Lyon. And Pierre kind of starts to school her um, on to the fact that, well, you know, if you're from Lyon, then she must remember her history. And that her history shows that she was, you know, talk, being from Lyon means you are from those who are outside. Um, from the Huns settling in Rome. The Romans had settled in Lyon. And it, he's pointing out the, the lessons of the French Revolution. Liberté, égalité, and fraternité. And was very pointed in the fact, and he, he told her point blank, that fascism and xenophobia had no place in France, um, but apparently had a foothold in Lyon. And he offended the woman so greatly that she threatened to talk to the manager. And of course, Breckman being the highly, uh, highly valued guest, more or less said, tell Monsieur Roy, Roy that he um, sends his regards. So in this whole situation, I mean, Acacia is mortified, but trying to stay very professional at the rude of this woman um, you know she's trying to uh, mitigate the situation by going to get a French uh, staff member Celine and um, I think at that point she just almost wanted to hide uh, because Pierre Breckman was so rude to the woman but in honest honesty I was glad he spoke up um, because too. Um, if you don't speak up, then you can't help to mitigate uh, or educate. Or nothing changes, too. Exactly. So, so we asked SR, um, we, we thanked him for the French lesson, which he shared during Breckman's pointed discussion with the rude woman from Lyon. And in all your books, you embrace multiculturalism and respect among people of all books or all nationalities. The book, and in, and in this scene, you strongly sent a political message against fascism and, and xenophobia. Uh, were there any particular current events that triggered this strong message? So SR responded to us, telling us that in the case of the man in the black suit, there has always been a general wave of anti-immigration sentiment in Europe and in North America. I discussed the European dimensions of it in the novel, but I could have set the novel in North America and had a similar discussion. I was hoping that the novel would encourage people to reflect on immigration and how in some sense many of us are immigrants or descendants from immigrants and how we all are connected as the members of the human race. Which I thought was really, you know, I think that's really good that the way he said that. Um, you know. I agree. I agree. I think he really, um, you know, one of the themes that I remember when he was reading this, he was he took to Twitter and he was discussing some of these topics. And I know he was kind of getting a feel for, um, you know, people's perspectives on this. And I think this is another reason why so many people can relate and appreciate SR, because he really does help to educate and show different points of view. And, um, you know, it really does reinforce the fact that um, kindness is never wasted, correct? In, correct. in any kind of treatment um, of 
other people on this planet. And there's a lot of a lot of thought behind treating people with respect and dignity. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, you know I love that theme. And I, I, I know for myself, I'm an, I, my, my great-grandparents were immigrants, my, and my great-great-grandparents were immigrants from Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, my one, you know, my husband's family actually... He, I, he, his sister could be part of the DA or, 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 cause she, her, his family came over on the Mayflower. So he, his family has been here forever and a day, but even still there were immigrants that were married into the family and, you know, it's just, it, it's just who we are and we have to accept that. We have to accept the fact that we're all together here and in North America, especially because it's what I'm familiar with, and, and Leslie, I'm sure it's what you're familiar with, um, how how hard it can be, and especially with when you start bringing in Hispanic families in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that my daughter-in-law has gone through a lot of stuff. She was born and raised in Colombia, and uh, she became a citizen of the U.S. I think it was bef- about seven eight years ago it was before Isabella was born I do know that so but yeah there's a lot of different perspectives that um, SR brings to this and I you know I think this is one of the I think this is really one of the powerful messages in the book Mm -hmm. I really do which I think is great and Monica brought, brought a really good point up and not in regards to SR's comments about the question that we had posed to him but um, Monica, you're right on the money. In any work, correct in any line of work, correcting a client is always an act of courage. Oh yes, um, absolutely. She says, if I do that, I'll be negatively evaluated by performance at work. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that yeah, and true. especially if you're in the service industry um, and and hospitality, which is where um, Acacia is living at this point. Um, you know, you're often told the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it really was almost, it would be very difficult for Acacia to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost needed to be in Pierre's uh, situation. You almost needed to be a third party to um, speak up. That's true. Uh, so it's, it does put you in a kind of a, a bind. Um, it does. So Pierre questions Acacia uh, if this happens a lot, meaning that the woman from uh, Lyon. But she has ignored his question and asked uh, how his, his dinner had gone because he had been to Guy Savoy the night before. But he too ignores her question, saying that he has not seen the rise of anti-Semitism and anti-immigration, but had not thought of it here. Uh, she tries to add a bit of humor to this by saying, you know, Paris is the world. And it is. And she re- uh, she's restrained and reminds him that a concierge provides friendship. He doesn't understand how anyone can be friendly with a xenophobe. And she can't, ch- but she says she can't choose her guests, but if she, but she can choose the way she responds. And that can change the conversation and perhaps the person who hates We'll see a better way. Uh, Pierre's also surprised at the lack of diversity at the hotel, but Acacia again 
Arcasia again changes the subject by asking about geese of voice. And I think that was a really, an, again, another, you know, another way um, as far as educating correct, correctly about the, you know, thinking about how you would respond. Um, sometimes responding in kind escalates a situation, not helping a situation. Um, you know, you can't, and she's absolutely right. And I think anybody who's dealt with um, internal or external customers um, has encountered difficult people. I know I have in my job and in, in many of my jobs and, and, in, and at many levels of, uh, of, uh, and in many positions, I should say, you know, from, um, you know, from the highest levels of management to the, you know, people starting out. And a lot of it, is, you know, you can't control, you can't always control the situation, but you can, you can control how you respond, respond to the situation. To That's right. That's yeah. one of the, the major things. I remember taking some uh, seminar courses in customer service and that, that, that was one of the things that was brought out. You know, you're always going to get nasty customers that come mm-hmm. after you but it's how you respond to them that will bring them back or not. Right. And you sometimes you can't please everybody, and no, that's the reality, too. And Lori had said there are some people who enjoy causing problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. And Mon said, yeah, and sometimes manipulated um, without even knowing um, it like Breckman did. True. So, so true. So, she, uh, Acacia asked, uh, how uh, the dinner at Guy Savoy's went, and he said uh, Guy Savoy had come out to greet his guest, and, me- and the meal was a work of art. And he has, just as an FYI, Guy Savoy has trained um, who, who the, the crazy English blonde guy who doesn't like anybody when he goes to a restaurant. Um, I forgot his name, but he trained him because. <laughs> um, as a as a chef as well but he'd come out to 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 greet his guest and everything was a work of art and he asked her if she's been there and she had not but she did tour the restaurant and the location impressed her it had once been a french the the building had once been a frenchman um pierre thought i that it it must be vexing and and again that's my vexing is one of my favorite (laughs) words i just i can't have to mention that um so to arrange these lavish events and not to be able to enjoy them herself i mean yeah you know i mean you think about it you know she she's setting up all these fancy for fancy restaurants and whatever and does she does she doesn't really get to go to them um which would totally vex me <laughs> exactly and by the way Lori, thank you um Gordon Ramsay, Gordon Ramsay is the chef right. you were thinking of mm-hmm. because I couldn't come up with the name either. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm on my third glass of wine, so I know. I know I what's my excuse. I don't have one. It's just been a long, long week. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyhow, so um, you know, she ignored that comment, but and tells him that she has returned all the items that he had given her that he had asked to have returned except for the modiste items. He commented that he, he, that he had no use for them. I mean, I could just imagine him walking around in a pair of uh, black and red <laughs> panties and a black and red bra that would just be uh, 
Uh, it would just be interesting to see. Anyhow, <laughs> she did say that um, she, she suggested that he could donate them to Vision du Monde, which is uh, world, basically the world vision, French version of the World Vision Corporation. Mm -hmm. And they could be auctioned. So he agrees to that. And she says, no, do you want the donation in, in your name? And he says, no. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Pierre Brickman, and I just passed on this underwear. <laughs> yes, yes. And... You know, from, what I, from what I remember of the underwear, they were black and red, and the bra was size was rather small. Anyhow. <laughs> um, well, and I'm looking at the chat room. Monica was saying... Yes, she does um, sometimes. Uh, sometimes people come in a way they are very aggressive, but she talks slowly and and quieter than them, and then they tend to love her after some minutes of talking to them at her job at school. And she goes, LOL, they don't even know what hit them. There you go. That's right. That's the old expression, kill them with kindness. Mm -hmm. But you're not really killing them with kindness, but you're bringing them around by being kind, which is and great. It's true. And, and I agree with you, Monica. They have to be, you have to be a psychiatrist, a friend, a doctor, a builder, everything. Exactly. Exactly. And I love it, KK. I'm raising my imaginary glass to you because I love having Jameson's in my coffee and I am sad that I don't have it mm -hmm. right now. Um, enjoy. Absolutely. I'm lifting my imaginary mug to you. <laughs> I've, I've got my wine glass up to you. <laughs> so, so very <laughs> very good so he goes on he hadn't thought of that and does she recommend that to all her guests of donating things and she says uh, many guests are involved in philanthropy if the opportunity arises she'll suggest it and uh, he, he suggested that maybe she had missed her calling but she tells him that we can all do our help to put we can all do our part to help others. Uh, Acacia asks if there's something wrong, and he tells her that she's so different from the other concert concierges that he's dealt with. He he's intrigued. He's, he's intrigued. intrigued. Yes, he <laughs> so she, he then asks how many languages she speaks. She said six, and she tells him they are French, Portuguese, English, Spanish, Russian, and Arabic. And he's wondering why um, Arabic. And uh, she told him that it was important in the service industry. And she also had studied Art at the Sorbonne. He asked her age, which he could have found out on his own, but he was giving her the courtesy of answering this question, because you never ask a woman her age. <laughs> and um, she told her that she told him that he was 35. She was 35. And uh, so that means that she would not have been at the Sorbonne at the same time. No, so I didn't really go into further any further into that, but you know, so I don't know who he was referring to at this point. Right. Um, so she uh, asked uh, what she could do for him, and he says he wanted a tailor for a bespoke black suit. Which he, <laughs> how many black, bespoke black suits can you have? <laughs> and he needed it for this evening. Yes. Uh, suppressing does that laugh. sound like a test anybody um i think so i think so, I think so. <laughs> and i know susie's enjoying coffee and eating a lint chocolate bunny 
And Monica said, I don't have anything right now to drink because she's in bed. It's 2.33 a.m. But cheers. <laughs> cheers God great. bless you, Monica. <laughs> so, God bless you. It's right. <laughs> so, uh, nicer, she, nicer dreams, she said. Yeah, really. I said, it's probably good that you don't have anything right now, Monica. <laughs> so, 33 in the morning, I'll be chasing a dog back upstairs into my bedroom, closing oh, no. the door, and having two cats and a dog climbing on my bed <laughs> and no room for me. And it's a queen size bed. Anyway. Oh my gosh. So, so the first test is to get a suit made in a day. And uh -huh. tells her that her boss called her a miracle worker, and she said that she is a concierge, not a saint. But neither <laughs> is he, he says. Ha, ha, ha. I can imagine that look as he's saying, neither am I. So, um, definitely attraction. Oh, yeah. Definitely some, so, definitely some flirtation going on. So he told her to pick, up, pick the tailor, and he would also need shirts and ties. And she asked if there was anything else. And he's like, oh, there are a few things. Exactly. Monica's cat, is in her, Monica's cat is in her bed by the kitchen. And she's very independent. I, and I just wrote, cats always are. Well, you know, I have this problem. You know, as, as many of you know, I became the foster mom to three orphaned kittens this past fall. And two of them I found homes, found a home for, and I kept one. And the one that I kept cannot be anywhere without me. If I walk into the kitchen, she follows me in the kitchen. If I'm in the bathroom, she follows me in the bathroom. If I'm in the shower, she tries to get into the shower. That's um, so sweet. Until her paws get wet and then she jumps out. But, um, so I, I, and the other cat that we have, uh, the adult cat, Stripey, um, my son's cat and so she lays right in the middle of my son's bed it's so it's, it's very cute <laughs> it's a house of neurotic pets with a neurotic mother <laughs> well Lori just said that you're her mom pam well that's true and and Mon monica said siamese from hell is hers <laughs> siamese and, very independent yes very independent very very independent so we're going back to the story and you know, Pierre then pretty much insults Acacia by asking, what is she doing um, being insulted by guests when she speaks six languages and graduated from the Sorbonne? You know, why are you in this job? You have all these qualifications and, you know, why are you choosing to live this life? And that set Acacia off. Um, Acacia was angry by his questioning and she withheld her temper um, you know, and she thought to herself that he doesn't know why she does what she does or that she had an exit strategy and she was using her training to focus on the breathing. Um, and she was trying to keep cool, but Nicholas knew, or actually Pierre knew, Pierre knew that, uh, something had set her off. He noticed her anger and she was actually happy to see her boss. Um, walk by um, and the fact that she was able to keep her calm because she would have gotten in trouble if she would have been rude to her very important guest um, 
Pierre, to his credit, apologizes to her um, because he spoke without thinking. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty big on his part because he's been really rude to, he appeared to be pretty rude to her for many, many times. And hi, Johnny. Um, so, uh, you know, she was avoiding his eyes after he apologized and uh, she was calming down and she just says, okay, you know, what else? Um, what else would you like? Um, you know, how can I help you? Being very professional, as she always is. <laughs> Monica says, little did she know. Very true. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he, he more or less was thinking everything has gone wrong in this visit. With Marcel being, uh, being injured. Um, Silka really turning her back on him and slapping him in the face, uh, more or less. He apologizes again using her name, and that actually started to calm her down. He continued to apologize, saying she's, not, she's been nothing but professional in the face of ugliness. And he added to that that the Victoire was very lucky to have her. Um, and Acacia ignored him, saying she would set up the tailor and was there anything else. Um, I think she, at this point, was just kind of frazzled. And I think she, you know, she was frustrated that someone would be questioning why she was doing what she was doing. Monica, I agree, mercurial writer at the time, and Karen agrees with her. Um, <laughs> I think he's probably fairly mercurial all the time, don't you, ladies? Possibly. Possibly. The, the special day that is celebrated in May. <laughs> nobody knows what that's supposed to be would portend to be him to be a uh, tourist the bull <laughs> zodiac wise uh-huh uh-huh i'm just that passing that along might that make sense so pierre um you know um responded you know she she was asking if there's anything else and um he said yes i'd like to get a round of drinks for you and the staff. Um, she said he didn't have to, but she would arrange it because she knew her colleagues would like that. And uh, he then asked if there had been something at, um, that she could not do. And she said, yes, of course. Um, I guess actually once asked her for a bespoke suit in a couple hours. And, you know, that he thought was quite clever. And touche, Acacia, touche. Um, yeah, Mon, Mon thought Gabriel was annoying him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, yeah. Um, Akasi wanted to know if Pierre needed dinner reservations. They'd already been arranged. And so she was just trying to continue to serve, uh, provide good service. Um, and here's where he kind of wove in his, oh, yes, and by the way, um, I'd like a relic of St. Teresa of Avila. So, she very coolly said she'd research it and present him options. And uh, then she slipped in the fact that the meeting Marcel had originally um, set up, uh, you know, she wanted to kind of get a sense about that and asked him about it. And this 
line of questioning made him incredibly angry. And his anger kind of erupted. And I thought it was interesting that he, he had such a rash reaction after he had very thoughtfully contemplated not acting out of anger or rashness while he was sipping his vodka looking at the Eiffel Tower. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and it's kind of showing that he's, he's um, mercurial is a great word. Um, I'll pull that one from you, Monica. Um, his anger took Acacia by surprise because he, he was more or less, don't talk about it, forget the meeting ever happened, don't mention it. Um, Rick actually restrained um, him a little bit and Pierre kind of calmed down enough to fix his coat sleeves and continuing on through the lobby. Um, Acacia was frozen and Rick noticed that. Um, and more or less at this point, she was just getting Marcel's journal and wanted to see what was going on because she had grave concerns at this point. She opened the journal, saw the meeting for Breckman at 10 p.m. with V. And she wanted to know what exactly was going on. Why was he doing, why did Marcel set up the meeting? And what was this connection between the meeting and possibly Marcel's attack? So it really was very, um, you know, troubling. I think at this point, she really, you know, especially as, after being asked about the uh, relic, you know, I think she's very suspect of Breckman and his intentions. An intrigue point. Yes, I agree, Monica. Yes. And as we go into chapter six, um, it starts, you know, reflecting on the five-star hotel having wealthy guests with crazy requests and this Pierre Breckman request with the relic from St. Teresa Avila, um, or is it Avila? I think it's I'm Avila. Not sure. Avila. And she was annoyed since he had threatened her. And, uh, you know, she was looking um, very closely at the journal as she's thinking about this request from the saint. And I know we dug in a little bit. St. Teresa was a Carmelite nun, patron saint of Spain, authored writings on the Counter-Reformation, uh, theologian on the contemplative life through mental prayer. And uh, she was educated by the Augustinians. Um, venerated in the Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Lutheran churches. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, an intelligent right. one indeed. We do have a very intelligent author. Monica says, I love our author. I think we all do, Mon. I really do. Just another, you know, another great lesson to learn. And, and really learning this about the church relics. And I, knew, I did know some of this, but Pam did some additional research as well. Um, according to canon law, 1190 was forbidden to sell relics, whether or not they are human remains. Um, first class relics is the physical body remains of a saint or blessed bones, blood or hair. Um, the second class relics are personal possessions of the saint, clothing, devotional objects, handwritten letters, furniture. And third class relics are something that has touched a relic. And um, again, this kind of weaves in. I, the fact he mentioned relics in this book, I kind of smiled because it reminded me of the Florentine series. And our, our lesson on relics continues, I think, through this book. Um, and, and, and Karen thinks that, you know, Pierre Breckman's anger um, was because he knew the meeting was dangerous. 
I agree with that, Karen. I think, you know, at this point, Akasi doesn't know what to think. Um, but I just think because there was violence around the meet, you know, around Marcel's attack, um, he didn't want to think about anything that he had uh, requested Marcel to do. And uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, I I mean, he didn't, and I probably didn't want her involved in it either. Exactly. So. And Mon says, "Look what what he created." Um, what you are saying now is something you choose to talk about. <laughs> we are so smart now. Well, you know, it, it's <laughs> funny because one of the things that I love about reading SR and being able to do the podcast for him is he comes up with these different things and to be able, whether it be Dante and Beatrice, whether it be um, art or whether it like this, it's, it's, you know, just being able to look at um, the history behind it and, and do a little research background because you know, he's done a lot of research on this. Just to, just to look and see what it is and what brings you to it. So. Looking up the saint was very interesting. Learning about canon law, 1190, was very interesting. Yes. But, but I will tell you, in the research that I did for this, you can find first-class relics on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the church has been trying for a long time to have that stopped. But, you know, there are a lot of times that they're there but the other thing that they'll they'll locate them as first class relics but they're actually the receptacle that held the relic so right. essentially it becomes a third class at that point um also there are a lot of russian um websites that because they they'll sell that they'll they'll put this out there and they're looking for not just the first class relic but there's also russian icons and stuff the paintings um so Pierre didn't seem upset about or surprised, uh, which wasn't the reaction she was expecting, um, mm -hmm. about you know not being able to secure the first class relic, but she'd be happy to secure the third class, um, and if he wanted a first class, she would contact the churches to see what she could find, and again, Canon Law eleven ninety for forbids selling them. Uh, so she, she, you know, she knew she couldn't get him from a church, and Marcel was be creative. Exactly. And he's really, really trying to test test her here. In, uh, and it's interesting they're having this staring contest at this point, and and uh, she's looking at the gloves he's putting in his pocket and not looking at his scar, which is an important thing. Because he's she, she's looking at him as, as a person and what's going on around him, and um, so so he you know her shift ends, she leaves her shift ends, she goes to the bar, and Carlos the bartender has greeted her, and told her that the other employees had had come and gone, and uh, but he had something for her, and it was a bottle of Louis Rodure. Christelle, and I know when I looked at this, I looked Pennsylvania has a state store system rather than independent liquor stores and looking up these, this particular bottle of champagne 
um, I found that it, it's $250 for a bottle of the regular Cristal Champagne. And if you wanted the pink champagne, it's $450. And also that it has a 95 on Wine Spectator uh, rating, mm. which if you follow Wine Spectator ratings on any kind of wines, it's, a, it's an extremely good bottle. Um, he opened it for her and he poured her a glass and it was bubbly and fruity and had a touch of spice and something floral. And uh, she asked Carlos to share with her, which he did and hid it under the bar because a lot of times bartenders aren't really supposed to drink behind the bar. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Absolutely. They're not supposed, the, the key word is they're not supposed to drink. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my husband, when I met him, was a bartender and... Uh, I don't want to go to how many times there were drinks behind the bar. <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> so for your uh, book, Pam, for your book, for my book, yes, <laughs> I got good ones on that one. So mm -hmm. he so he opened the bottle and he poured her a glass, and uh, which she drank, and, and he had his, and then um, he handed her uh, Carlos handed her a gift bag, which contained a cellophane brioche from Gisevoy. Mm. Oh, when I was in when I was in Paris, I had made sure I had brioche every day, <laughs> and that's probably why I put ten pounds on no five pounds on in Paris. <laughs> anyhow, um, yeah. So I mean, I did not see the Guy Savoy shops, but he, he does have shops just selling brioche outside of the restaurant. And so whenever when I get back there, not if but when, um, I will make sure I get I get some of the um, mm. and well and in the chat room we Lori was uh saying that is, this is interesting mom's saying she likes those staring moments and kk was saying yes he wants to see if she would do anything that would compromise her beliefs when she was talking early we were referring earlier to uh the saint uh relic right. um and then kk said yes it's very fine got to try it once at work because it got opened by mistake. Oh, you are lucky, You are Karen. very lucky. The best I can a come up with is the the first night I went out after my son was born. I think he was about two months old. With my girlfriends. We went to a restaurant and we spent $500 on champagne. Mm. Not, not including the rest of the dinner. Just the champagne alone. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a good night. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, well, it's one of those nights where you, you, you recognized real quick when you have an infant, you, you could never go out like you did before. <laughs> Anyhow. So, but this was his way of apologizing to her with, all, right. with the, with the brioche and the champagne. The following evening, she went to Pierre's penthouse suite answered the door and he was just as aloof as he ever was and ever will be and escorted her into the living room uh, Pierre was standing at a glass table and there on the glass table there was this billow, billowing white sheet and it was obscuring a painting he blocked her so she could but so she could only get a brief view of it the other security guards were standing on the terrace with their guns in their holsters kind of frightening mm -hmm. her heart racing and the guests were uh, were were dripping with tension 
uh, like she had interrupted something dangerous. Asking how things were going with the tailor, and as she's asking that, she's looking and checking all her different exits, as a good person with martial arts does. And right. he said it was good, but he was leaving early and would see him next time. And she told him about the relic. She reiterated that she could only get the third class, and he would check with the church and see if she could get the first class, which was, but there was little point. And she kept looking at the painting that was under the shroud and, and the brush strokes that were very impressionistic. Um, Pierre quickly blocked her view, th thanking her for what she was doing and telling her she would be well looked after, meaning there would be a very large tip. Very suspicious behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, she asked if there was anything else she could do, but he was, but he was leaving the next day. Akasha told him that Francois would be on duty that evening if she needed if he needed anything else, and she wished him a good night and safe travels. But the painting was still in her head, and she just thought of the robbery at the Musée d'Art Moderne and the Henri Matisse. And he hadn't mentioned he had hadn't he mentioned it? And she turned toward the painting, but Pierre holds out his arms, thanking her, telling her again that she'd be well taken care of and that, you know, wasn't discretion part of her job and that that would be rewarded. So Rick is sort of like hurting, you know, he's got his arms out and he's like sort of hurting her to the door. Right, trying to get her out. Trying to get her out as well. Quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and as the door closes of the elevator, she leans back against the wall and with all the thoughts running through her mind, He's a wealthy businessman, no pictures on the internet, supposed, supposed to be going to a meeting with Marcel that had set up with V, whoever that was. Marcel gets attacked, and he asks her to find a relic. Be creative in finding one. Was he asking her to steal? Large security team with a possible stolen painting wants to pay for her silence. So she's looking at all this and leaving the hotel with a possible, he could be possibly leaving with a stolen painting. I know, and that at that point, I'm thinking, what is Akasi going to do? Because this is serious. I mean, and the way that SR wrote this, it really kind of brought um, more of the the tension and intensity of uh, the scene, and and you know, it really paints her almost as. A detective. Come <laughs> on. What's up with elevators? <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, it depends upon which story you're going to. Sometimes I have get... to say, though, I do have, you know, there is an elevator scene that I, uh, I'm i quite fond of, and I think we all know which one that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But, okay. you know, she's con contemplating this. You know, Miss Ro Monsieur Roy in Chapter 7, you know, enters, and she's really contemplating the fact that this is a very highly guest um highly valued guest and um you know she's checking marcel's uniform she's checking marcel's journal she's getting out of her uniform um and really trying to get out of the hotel and uh, get on her phone so she could do searches about stolen art and she recognizes the matisse from that musee d'art moderne uh robbery and 
She also recognized that the guest knew that Marcel was creative, and she's trying to think about why was he attacked. Um, she she knows she was you know she keeps telling herself, look, I'm not a policeman, I'm only a concierge. Um, but if if Breckman leaves with one of France's national treasures, you know what she's going to do. She's really in a tough spot. Um, she's thinking that she should tell her boss um, because if this is a real painting and not a reproduction, uh, you know, this is something they're handling with white gloves and she's really deep in thought. And then there's this huge bang and it was only one of her colleagues coming out for a smoke. Um, but she was nervous and she already knew who she had to call. So she dials the number. And she hears Ma Belle. And he asked if Cassie was hurt. He was concerned because he hadn't heard from her. Um, she was confused as to whether she should say something or not. And then she looked around and said, Luke. He asked again if she was okay, if there was something wrong. She could barely answer. You know, it's very awkward because... He had, she hadn't spoken with her for a while. He asked if she was still at the Victoire. As flustered as she was, she actually gathered up her courage and told him that she thought the guest, that a guest had a stolen painting. And she told him that the painting uh, looked like a Matisse that had been stolen. And, uh, you know, I think at that point, she felt like she was compelled to do something. And I think this goes to her character. She's seeing a wrong and she wants to make it right. Um, and I like that. SR wrote a very, her as a very strong character, which I love. And I love the fact he writes strong women. Um, and, you know, this painting was something that, <laughs> first bad move. <laughs> yeah, because she did reach out. She reached out to him. Um, and the Matisse that they're looking at was... La Pastorale, which was stolen May 19th, 2010, around 7 in the morning. Other paintings from that uh, robbery at the Musée was The Olive Tree Near a Stock by George Brock, Woman with the Fan by Amadio Modigliani, Still Life with Chandeliers by Ferdinand Leger, and Pigeon with Green Peas by Pablo Picasso. So it was a huge heist, and she knew the Matisse was very likely the the painting that at least looked like the painting that Breckman had. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Lori. She said, me too. And then Mon said, even if it is the right way. Um, and he reminded, Luke had reminded her that the paintings had not been recovered, but they had been cut by the frames. And, you know, he's trying to find out if she was sure um, she repeated what she saw, and he wanted to know very much about who this guest was. So um, she's very curious and nosy. Yes, Monica, she was. But I think that also has to do with being a concierge. You have to always be paying attention and being in tune with what's going on around you and what your guests want. And um, also, also her art background. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that would catch her eye, and then she... You know, she's trained, so she would know, if, even at a quick glance, that that would be more of an impressionist 
versus a uh, realist or a cubist or so she said the guest's name is Pierre Breckman he's 38 he's a businessman he's a frequent guest at the Hotel Victoire comes to Paris often was involved with Silke Ranier um, and she told him what Marcel would do like get him football tickets reservations shopping um, and he she mentioned the meeting that Marcel set up but uh, Marcel was attacked before the guests got to the information. Luke wanted more information about the mugging, and she mentioned it was a few nights ago and in a coma. So um, that it, just before the guest in the painting arrived, Marcel had been attacked. And then Luke, you know, obviously wanted to know why she had not told him. Um, and after all, he was in the BRB. And yet Monica said... And she's naive because that can end up right. (laughs) Well, I I think as she's talking to Luke, she's realizing I opened a major Pandora's box here. Um, And we had a little information on the BRB, the Brigade de Repression de Bantitisme, Special Force Police, part of the Department of Interior of France, an organized crime unit. And these are the same uh, investigators that looked into the Kim Kardashian robbery and also helped indict Thomas Oliver Thomas because of the two stolen works. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and yes, Monica said, okay, her background. Yes, but that didn't teach her anything. <laughs> she's actually her- been out of practice because she's been a concierge. As opposed to working into a gallery. Exactly. Well, and, and Luke continues on and wants to know if the guest had harmed her in any way. But she said no. He implied that she should keep her mouth shut. Luke asked if she was alone. And she said yes. And, and Luke didn't want her to be alone. So she was saying she needs to tell her manager. And Luke said, okay, I'm bringing in the agents. And this is when Acacia fully realizes what she's gotten herself into Um, because I think she only wanted to get a little bit of info and Luke was like you told me this I have to report it I'm bringing in the agents make sure you're not alone Um, life experience mm -hmm. I dated an undercover cop for (laughs) a number of years in (laughs) Westchester County New York you know what I'm going to say Another chapter for the book. And you don't, if if, if you're worried about something like this and you don't want to bring the police involved in it, you don't talk to them about it. Exactly. Because everything comes through. (laughs) That you can't not, you can't mention something to somebody in law enforcement um, because they have an obligation to investigate. Exactly. Um, and yes, Mon, she says if she wants to stay low, stay low, woman. But no, not Acacia. No, she's got to be out there. Yep. And Lori said, yes, that chapter goes, that goes in the book, Pam. <laughs> so, you know, she's talking to him. Uh, he asked if there were any crimes against any other guests. And, you know, he's just going through and checking and he more or less hangs up 
and Acacia wonders what she has done because he's on his way with several agents and you know she's thinking to herself art thieves like mothers like muggers were petty opportunists but buyers of stolen art are much more dangerous and uh you know this is as we get into chapter eight um you know there's an old mafia saying that you never sit with your back to the door and as acacia listens to luke she's at the bar and she's sitting facing the door watching and waiting and anticipating and you know her reactions was not she had that instinct and she called luke anyway <laughs> yeah crimes right yeah. <laughs> right monica <laughs> and you know she knew not to involve luke in anything and you know she was thinking about him and as i told a lot of the listeners on the wednesday podcast i i admit i have a little i have a little crush on luke not gonna lie 511 sandy brown hair that needs a little trim um he's handsome with a bit of scruff and he looks more like an actor than a policeman which uh, that that line makes me laugh so i asked our sr why he chose luke as a former romantic partner um as opposed to a university friend for acacia and SR had said that this was part of the story he actually had in mind when he was thinking of this plot. Um, he felt like it just seemed to be part of Acacia's history. And he liked the BRB angle. And um, also, uh, SR mentioned that several readers also would like Luke to have his own novel. So I endorse that idea. I think that would be great. Um, yeah. Luke, <laughs> is own, Luke is own and Paul is own. <laughs> that's right although I, I do have a crush on Luke but it is nowhere near the love that Betty has for her beloved Paul so. you mean the obsession <laughs> the obsession yes <laughs> creme de la creme in every five star hotel that's, that's right mom and KK says swoon lol yeah <laughs> Luke sounds very swoon worthy yes he does I have uh, to say I'm trying to think of an actor, and there's one that I think he was with, uh, um, I'm trying to remember, um, he had a child with uh, uh, an actress not too long ago, and I think his name is Gabriel, I think his first name, but he's French mm. and would really work well for that. Anyway. Oh, um, and Mon says she should know better if she's a concierge. It's like owning a club. You know there's something dark going on. And Johnny says, love the way SR writes action. And Luke would be a great hero for more the men in the black suit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here, here. So Luke comes in, and so he greets Acacia in the Parisian way, which is a kiss on each cheek. And, uh, but Acacia felt nostalgic, and it made it more real, as in the way he pulled, a, pulled away from her. And as she starts to speak, uh, he took a few euros out of his pocket and put them on the bar. And uh, then they walked to the door. Uh, he asked where they could speak privately. And she said the staff room. And yes, his story could include more theft in care. Yes, I agree. I agree. We could have a whole series we, I, of those kind of novels. Uh, okay, so here's one that I thought of, and I haven't mentioned it to SR 
I'll put it out there. I'm, he may, may or may not hear it. I think that he should bring Nicholas and Acacia and Raven into a maybe an imaginary background of finding art from the Gardner Museum uh, theft that would bring in uh, Julia and Gabriel. Anyway, that way you can get everybody in all at one shot. I know. Mm-hmm. I would love that. So He'll, He's going to wave them all together at some point. Some I know. Even if it's passing. To. Yeah, he's got to. I mean, they all seem to be a part of it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Thank you. I think that would be good. Anyhow, so... um. So, so she tells them, well, there's a staff room where he's not really supposed to be, but we could go in and make sure that uh, we could go in and talk there. He goes in, he, he looks around, makes sure there's no one there, brings her in. And uh, she said, I only wanted to talk to you about the painting. She didn't want the whole BRB arriving. And Luke had wanted to make sure she was okay. And... While she was aggravated, she didn't know. She really didn't know how much trouble she was going to be in, or how much it was going to cost her. Luke assured her that she was doing the right thing. The agents would be arriving soon, but she was like apoplectic. They were interviewing the night manager, and um, I you envision the night manager as uh, Tom Hiddleston from the night manager. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, and was not happy. Uh, he was being interviewed, and Luke could not be involved because of his connection with Acacia. And uh, he, but he had to report it. Again, like I said, when you're you're a cop and you get information, doesn't matter. You got to go 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 for it. Um, he informs her that she that she'll be interviewed by Philippe, and he was the lead investigator, and he was a 36 K des autres and um, one of the officers would take her home afterwards. He told, she told him that her motorcycle was out, out, out outside of the hotel, but it would be too, um, too uh, much of a, a hassle, or too, much, too risky for her. Um, Luke was trying to assure her that she'd be fine, and she would, would not be identified as lead witness, and Philippe was a friend and would treat her right. Uh, Absolutely. Good night, KK. Good night, have, KK. Have a wonderful weekend. Uh, she'll she will still have if if everything works out, she will have the thanks of the BRB if the art is recovered, um, and which didn't really satisfy her. And as he tried to reach for her, he told her that he would make sure that her name would not be released. Well, it was shit timing, he said. It was good to see her. She said the same and asked about Simone, a former his former girlfriend. And he told her that they had separated and she had moved out. And that's one of the reasons why she had been having drinks with Eve and Veronica and to talk about what was going on. He asked if she was seeing anybody. No, she worked a lot and enjoyed her job, but she was so worried about Monsieur Roy and how his understanding of the BRB being all over the hotel. But Luke assured her that he would take care of it and he took her to Philippe. Now she was so nervous at that point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I know she was beside herself 
and so you're already dealing in an awkward situation where you're talking to an your ex, and then to have that stress on top of, you know, being stressed about your job and your job jeopardy, and then whatever else was bothering her, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. And Monica's saying, talking about Raven, if she still works in restoring paintings instead of William's wrinkles on the suit. <laughs> <laughs> she's kidding again she's missing those two yeah, so are, are we so are we I might have to reread it I'm just saying mm-hmm. so Acacia paused and said that she was sorry that things didn't end well with them but she was glad that he was there checking on her she also thought of Marcel's journals and wondered if she should turn them over to him and being aware that she'd be in more trouble if she was withholding evidence. But the Paris police had the jurisdiction over Marcel's case, so if she was going to give them to anybody, it would have been them. And as they walked into the lobby, all the air left her lungs, and she was like in this place, crawling with BRB. And Luke really did not know her deepest fears, that this was putting her mother's life and her life in jeopardy. Exactly. She was so stressed. And I see Kez is signing off. Have a wonderful weekend, Kez. Have a good weekend, Kez. Enjoy your morning coffee on the beach. And I just typed in, I wish I was going to the beach with you. So jealous. jealous. I know as as we're wrapping up this chapter and Acacia is stressed out beyond belief. And when she saw those agents in the hotel... I think that was pushing her over. Mm-hmm. She needs she needs some uh, she needs some wine. I think at this point she needs yeah, more. <laughs> she needs something more than wine. I think, but yes, you're right. And, uh, <laughs> but we shall find out in the next chapter of what is going on. Exactly. So, again, if you missed any of the announcements SR had, which were outstanding. Um, the balance of the Florent, or, uh, the Florentine series and the man in the black suit are being translated into multiple languages, which is a good thing. And we're so excited that. about that. Yeah, I am too for him. And also um, that the book four of the man in the black suit has uh, some special stuff coming up. And uh, he, but he needs to wait for the announcement on that. So stay tuned, everybody. Make sure you have enough skin on your bones so that you don't whittle away too much on that. Yes, book four of Gabriel, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Cannot and then wait. he said, uh, this was in a chat from Facebook yesterday. He says, and I know many of you have been waiting for a very large announcement. I've been uh, mentioning for months now. The very large announcement should be made public soon. And again, I have to wait for the green light, but this is the biggest news yet, and so worth the wait. So, yeah, so we're looking forward to everything that's coming up, and on Wednesday, we'll be hitting up the next chapter of The Man in the Black Suit. I believe that's chapter Chapter 9, right? Right. And we'll be on at 5, and uh, we will let you know what our next Friday night podcast will be shortly exactly i i may be doing it from uh athens from athens (laughs) oh my god i actually think right yeah i'm going there next month to see my daughter 
could be. Can't believe it. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. And and I said, good things come to those who wait. Right, ladies? And Joni said, that's right. And Mom says, who makes the author wait? I would go crazy. And I agree. She was SR. <laughs> it's going to be big. How exciting is what Lori said. <laughs> if I was SR. <laughs> and Susie, you're so welcome. We enjoy doing this, and we're glad that we can do this for it on Friday nights as well. Yes, we. It's, it's so much fun to be able to have everybody included, and at, even if it's at different times. I know, and Mon, thank you so much, and everybody else who are who are joining us at odd hours of the night and early morning. Um, it just means a lot to us personally. Um, that you can join us and talk about this book and about our beloved SR um, because it's just it's just a great way to enjoy um, reading and enjoy learning about great books. It is, it is. So um, we are going to say good night, um, and uh, I know that during the podcast. Uh, there was news from the U.S. that uh, the United States, France, and England have been sending missiles over to Syria because of the gassing that happened uh, last week. And uh, we pray for all those who, um, all those that are involved in it. So we, uh, and uh, Samia, I, you know, I know that those missiles probably go right over your house. And uh, we're praying for you as well. So, anyway, so have a great weekend, ladies, and uh, we will all speak with you soon. Yes. And Thanks gonna, so much, everybody. I am going to have leave a good you night with a little bit more Miles Davis. And this is Miles Runs the Voodoo Down. So, enjoy and have a great night.